Amen, amen. Hey, grab a seat. And as you grab a seat, get a Bible in your lap. If you need a Bible under a seat nearby, you'll find a Bible. Throw that Bible open in your lap to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is where we'll be uh, today. And as you turn there... um, uh, uh, John Stott, he's a pastor, great Christian thinker, author. Um, he says this, as a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is it's dead. As a body without breath is a corpse, so our walk with Jesus personally is also dead. Uh, Here's something Jesus understood, that it was not only Jesus, the power of God that that would draw us into relationship with himself, it was also the power of God that would sustain us in that relationship. All of us in the room at some point tried to live out this Christian life in our own strength. How did that go for us? It's full of frustration. It's full of, why, why do I just keep doing the very same things I've always doing, the things I hate at the core? I can't kick it. I can't stop. Because God has to give us his power in order to live out the Christian life. We simply cannot muster it up in our own strength. And so today, as we continue in our study in the book of Acts, um, the Spirit of God is going to come on God's people. And it's an amazing sight. It's one of the most monumental moments in the history of all of our faith when the Spirit of God ushers in to indwell the people of God and give them power to live out the life of following Jesus and give them power to live out the mission that Jesus has called them to. And it's an amazing sight here. Now, um, before we get into this here, let me just kind of address, address three, three groups of people um, as we talk, uh, as we preach a message on the Holy Spirit. Um, the first group of people over here are those of you who you may be here and you're not a Christian. Um, you are here because someone invited you. Um, you're here maybe because you're searching out what it means to follow Jesus, to be a Christian. And um, uh, for those of you in this camp, if you're here and you're not a Christian, this might be the kind of message where you're like, okay, here's where you Christians get me. The Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? And I would just say to you, if you're not a Christian and you're here today, um, before you just kind of discount this message and check out, listen, you're here already anyway. And so uh, for the next half hour or so, um, maybe just tune in to something that could change um, everything about your life, literally from the inside out, um, of what it means for you to follow Jesus and upon following Jesus to Receive the very power of God to live out a drastically different life than anything that you could have imagined. So uh, you may be in that camp. You also may be uh, in this middle camp here. And um, the middle camp is for those of you who've grown up in the church, you have church background. um, But maybe your church background is very similar to what my church background was like. And that... um, um, We believed in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but oftentimes in practice, our Trinity was really Father, Son, and Holy Bible. And um, um, the Father was clear to us, the Son was clear to us, and then when we came uh, to to the Spirit, we're like, ah, we don't really know what to do with the Holy Spirit. 
And so we didn't teach much on the Holy Spirit. And um, I think in doing so, we discounted a lot of the power of what God wanted to do in our very midst today because we didn't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, you may be from that camp here. And then you may be here at Harvest and you're actually more used to a much more, kind of the word in church world is you're much more used to a charismatic church experience than even you've experienced at Harvest here. And so um, you can't wait for a message on the Holy Spirit because you're like, man, Frank, frankly, I think this church needs more of the Holy Spirit in it. And, um, and so uh, whatever camp you're in here today, let me just say this. I'm going to offend all y'all by the end of this message, okay? And so um, some of you non-Christians, you'll go, yeah, I still think you guys are weird. And um, some of you in this camp will go, ah, like, Pastor, you're stretching me. Like, can the Holy Spirit really work like that today? And then some of you in this camp are like, you don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. So um, by the end of this message, um, what I hope, though, to come out is, um, can we all just agree on something here, that we just want to say what this thing says? We just want to say, we wanna, I, I want to teach to you what I believe the Bible teaches about it. Um, and I, I stand up to preach a message on the Holy Spirit with a lot of fear and trepidation because it's something, no, if, if, <clears throat> if a pastor ever gets up and say, today I'm going to preach to you a message on the Holy Spirit, and here's the thing, I know everything that needs to be known about this thing of the Holy Spirit, and so I'm going to distill all that, like, just call him a liar, okay? Because no one feels fit to teach on um, such a weighty doctrine of the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God. But here's the deal. We're going to go after that today, and we're going to let God's Word really drive the way that we teach about this. But here's what I do know. Every one of us in this room want to live the Christian life in the power of the Holy Spirit. All of us know what it's like to try to live out this walk with Jesus in our own strength, and it can be very discouraging, and it can be very heavy. All of us want to know more of who the Holy Spirit is, and so that's what we're going after today. We're not just studying an experience that happened as the Spirit was ushered into the early church. We're studying for us today, 2018 Harvest Bible Chapel, what it looks like for the greatest outflow of the Spirit of God in our midst here today. All in favor of that, say aye. Let's get into it here. Let me pray. Father, you, you know where I've been at all week. Um, who is fit to teach on the great and awesome mystery that your spirit is. And so, God, I beg you to make your word the center of all this teaching. Lord, on a topic where there can be a lot of confusion and things can get muddied up, Lord, may I not muddy those waters anymore, but would your word become crystal clear to us? And God, how foolish would it be for us to preach a message on the Holy Spirit without begging for the power of your Holy Spirit in our midst right now? God, we want to feel the very nearness of your presence in this room. God, we long to see you move. We're studying this book of Acts and what we see is a God who moves among his people. Do that in our midst today, Lord. We don't gather here for motivational talks and to sing songs. We gather here to meet with you, the living God of the universe. Lord, meet with us, please. Lord, whatever is distracting our hearts, if there's any sin that just needs to be repented of and dealt with right now so we can glean all that we want, you want us to glean from this, Lord, help us to deal with any distractions that would take away from hearing from you. 
God, just get glory in this today, please, God. And now as we open your word, speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. Acts 2, chapter 1, or Acts 2, verse 1. And it starts, when, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, let me just stop here and do a little background on where we've uh, been thus far. Uh, the book of Acts begins with a very clear command from Jesus. Who remembers what the clear command at the beginning of Acts is? One word, what is it? I need to wait. Okay, here's the deal. You're about to be unleashed on a mission that's literally going to flip the world on its head, but the first thing you have to do is wait, and they're waiting for the Spirit. Acts 1, verse 4 tells us this, and it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then the second week of our study, we saw Jesus tell them why they were waiting. They were waiting because Acts 1.8 tells us that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They're waiting for the Spirit because without the Spirit, there is no power. we got to get that today, too. Without the Spirit, there is no power. And then we saw last week in this season of waiting, this 10 days they had from when Jesus ascended and they're left there as a group to the day of Pentecost that we're going to study today. There's 10 days. And how do the Jesus followers spend these 10 days? All skate. How do they spend it? Praying. They just get together like Jesus said, wait, we don't know what else to do. Let's just gather in a room and let's just start praying. And there's some beautiful language that Dr. Luke describes of these people. They were of one accord. They're of one purpose, one mind, devoting themselves to prayer. And now here's where we find them. They're still all together in one place, no doubt still devoted to this thing of prayer. And it says, uh, what, what day is this that they're gathered on? What's the day? Go back to verse 1. What, what's the day? It's the day of Pentecost. And so we got to understand a bit of what's going on in Jerusalem with this day of Pentecost. Within the Jewish faith, there's a series of feasts or festivals, celebrations. Many of these celebrations revolve around the harvest. Uh, you had the feast of the fir first fruits, the celebration of the first fruits, and which you would bring of the, the very first of your grain harvest. You would bring the first of the fruits to the priest. The priest would offer the first fruits as a wave offering to the Lord. And it was the people's acknowledgement that with the very first of our crops, God, we recognize that these are yours and that you are the provider of them. Fifty days after the Feast of first fruits, you had the celebration of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. The celebration of Pentecost in its, in, in its origins is a celebration of the completion of the grain harvest. If you're a farmer in the room or if you've grown up on the farm, you know the feeling when you pull the tractor back into the barn and another year harvest is done. What do you want to do at that time? You want to celebrate. And so Pentecost and its origins is the celebration of the grain harvest being complete. And devout Jews from all over the known world would have come back to Jerusalem to celebrate. Thank God, praise the Lord, another year's harvest in the barn. And Jerusalem at this time would have been crawling with people. 
I mean, this probably doesn't do it justice, but kind of picture in your head a uh, Super Bowl in Indianapolis. If you went downtown during that, just shoulder to shoulder, rubbing shoulders with people, just crowds around, that sets up what God is about to do here. And listen, listen, it's about to get awesome up in here. You ready for this? Acts 2.2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And then verse 4, and they were all, what's it say? They were all what? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so they're gathered together, the believers, the Jesus followers are gathered together in one room. And now all of the sudden, this is where we need like a 4D church experience right here. We're building 4D into our future facility. You all good for that? We need 3D glasses, see what they describe. It's like tongues of fire descending on each of them. We need the seats to shake, to feel the sound of the mighty rushing wind that fills the room here. They began speaking, and we'll get to that. They began speaking in what it says is other tongues. Listen, God is ushering in the age of the Spirit, indwelling his people, and he's doing it in a way that people would never forget. This was supposed to be a moment that people are like, Oh, Pentecost, baby. We will never forget Pentecost. Even as we read about it today, 2,000 plus years later, wouldn't you give anything to go sit in that moment right there? To go, what was that like when the Spirit of God was ushered in to indwell the church of God, the people of God, and unleash them with power to live for Jesus and to live on mission? And so um, I want to break down a bit as we understand what's going on here, um, because it's such a unique circumstance in the history of the church right here. I want to break down verse 4 into two parts that I think verse 4 naturally breaks down to for us to understand a bit of what's going on here. Go to verse 4. First part of verse 4 says this. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. First point, write it down on your notes, is this. The Holy Spirit fills me if I know Jesus. Really important, really crucial doctrinal element. If we are Jesus followers, we have to understand that the Spirit of God fills Jesus followers. But, but we got to break this down a bit. We have to understand what's being said here. And so I want to first start with this question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Before we can talk about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, let's understand together who is the Holy Spirit. Uh, first thing under this is um, uh, this point. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know that. No, no, let that sink in. Because often when we talk about the Spirit, we're like, we refer to the Father as He, and we refer to the Son as He, and then we get to the Spirit and we refer to the Spirit as It. Wow, it was just really moving today. The, the Holy Spirit... We believe one God manifests three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is as much a person of the Godhead as the Father and the Son are. It's a really crucial element. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead. Secondly, and importantly, um, the Holy Spirit is our counselor, our helper, our guide, our teacher. 
Look at what Jesus says in John 14. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you know what it's like for the Holy Spirit to guide you in the path of living a righteous life. You know what it's like for the Holy Spirit to convict you. Am I right? Remember one of the most powerful, I'm early, newly married, I've told this story before, I'm working on a house project, and I just chuck the shovel across the yard in pure righteousness, okay? In total anger outburst, immediately in my mind, uh, out of James, for the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life God desires. Listen, that wasn't something bubbling up out of Brock's natural heart, okay? That was at the conviction of the Holy Spirit using his word in that moment to just melt me to the ground. The Holy Spirit guides us, teaches us. The Holy Spirit prompts us. The Holy Spirit brings to remembrance the teachings of the word to guide us in the moment. The Holy Spirit is an awesome counselor to us. God has not left us to navigate this world, this life, figuring it out on our own, what it means to follow him. He's been so good to us to give us his perfect helper. And all God's people said, and thank you, Lord, because we'd be lost without it. And then thirdly, who is the Holy Spirit? This is so important for us. The Holy Spirit is the spotlight on Jesus. Get this now. The whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make much of Jesus Christ. The, Spirit, the Spirit's like, where's the spotlight? Where's Jesus? Boom. Keep it right there. Here's what you know. Take it to the bank. If someone ever says that what they're doing is of the Spirit, and it brings more of the spotlight on themselves than it does on Jesus, let me tell you unequivocally, that ain't of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is all about making much of the Son of God. Favorite comment about our church, hands down, not a close second. It's when someone walks up after one time of being here, and usually tears in their eyes, and they just walk up, and it's like they have to come tell them. They say, there's not a comment about, wow, great worship, wow, great pre- wow, you guys have some great pl-. They say, look at me, no, look at me. The Spirit of God is in this place greatest compliment this church can ever get. And here's the deal. As we think about continuing down the road, as we think about moving out of a school cafeteria into a permanent facility one day, the spotlight can never get off of the Son of God. The Spirit of God must always be the power in this place. Epic failure if people walk out one day going, whoa, look at the building. Epic failure if people walk out one day going, whoa, what an awesome worship pastor as awesome as Pastor DJ and the team are. What an epic failure if anyone is talking about anything less than Jesus is awesome and the Spirit of God is in that place because I felt the whole time the spotlight was just on Jesus because this is what the Spirit does. Amen? So this is the Holy Spirit. Now, really importantly, and something we all want to know, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It says, in this moment, they're filled with the Holy Spirit What does that mean for us today, walking with Jesus? First thing is this. This is really important, and really important for what our church teaches on this. He fills us when he saves us. Okay, this is a unique moment in the history of the church where the Spirit is ushered in. 
It's the teaching of this church that the Spirit of God fills a believer at the moment of authentic, true salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, I totally get, you may be in here, and I, I want to speak very respectfully, you may be in here from different camps within uh, the, the family of Christians who teach that there's a salvation moment, and then there's a filling, a filling of the Spirit that happens after salvation. We have to wrestle with something out of Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 verse 9 says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now look at how this ends. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. We believe that upon true, true conversion, legitimate salvation in Jesus Christ, that the salvation experience is also the time when you are indwelt, filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that we don't believe Scripture teaches that there's this separate moment of filling. And you're like, well, read on in the book of Acts. There's some unique things that happen. We'll, we'll deal with those when we get there. And we'll touch on that. But we believe, know Jesus, filled with the spirit of Jesus. If anyone does not have the spirit, they are not of Jesus. And so the spirit fills us when Jesus saves us. Secondly on this, <laughs> what does it mean to be filled with the spirit? Our lives will make much of Jesus. You're like, I want, it, I want it a little more clear than that. No, think about it. What is the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit? To put the spotlight on Jesus, to live filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we make this, I think, a bit too experiential and like I'm longing for like, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Where are the goosebumps? Where are the goosebumps? Goosebumps, got it, right here. Now, those moments can happen where there's goosebumps, there's this experience, but our lives well, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It means our lives will make much of Jesus. Okay, let's unpack this a bit. First thing under there. The fruit of the Spirit will be evident in our life. Do you want to know if you're living out this filled with the Spirit life, are the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, let me ask this question. Does the fruit of the Spirit evident in our life mean um, that we are perfectly at all times living out those fruit of the Spirit? Oh, I hope not. Get this now. I'm going to make up a word for us to remember this by. This does not mean the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our life perfectly, it does mean the fruit of the Spirit are evident in our life patternly. Patternly. That's a made-up word, just for us. That the pattern of our life shows that the fruit of the Spirit are a normal part of me as a Jesus follower. So the fruit of the Spirit are evident in our life. Secondly, how do I know that I'm filled with the Spirit, uh, this, I'm, I'm no longer walking in the flesh. Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 6 talks about, um, um, do, do, not, uh, do not continue to walk, in, if you are in the Spirit, you will not continue to walk in the flesh. Again, not perfectly, but patternly. There are, there are those times the flesh rages up, that sin grips a hold of us and we sin, but it's not a pattern in our life. It's, it's, the, it's the guy who's gone from um, complete domination of sexual sin in his life to knowing Jesus to freedom in that. 
that the pattern of his life has completely changed. And yes, the lust in his mind rears its ugly head, but there's a different pattern. There's a different trajectory of his life. There's this no longer walking in the flesh, and there's this walking in the Spirit that is birthing out with a pattern the fruit of the Spirit in his life. And so this is how our lives make much of Jesus when we're filled with the Spirit. But there's something of how we make much of Jesus with our mouth. Thirdly, under this, we have boldness to tell other people of Jesus. Remember what Acts 1.8 says, for you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my, you'll be my witnesses. There's a natural outflow of spirit-filled Christians who show Jesus the fruit of the Spirit in their life and tell others of Jesus with their mouth and more on that to come. But who is this Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's something we got to wrestle with. Now, um, The second part of verse 4, let's deal with that. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in what? They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And now you're sitting there going, yeah, baby. I've always wanted to hear a message on tongues. I want to know, what is this all about? What is this tongue thing? Either I've grown up experiencing it in my church background, or I haven't, and I'm curious about it. So teach us on tongues. Ain't going to happen. You're like, why? It's right there. No, we have to understand what this is saying in Acts chapter 2. We see in 1 Corinthians... um, the Bible referred to what appears to be tongues in the sense of a personal prayer language. Um, um, uh, and, and these words I'm using to describe it are not derogatory in any way, but it's an unintelligible uttering, a babbling, something that is not known as it appears to be, as we appear to see it in the Corinthians. Um, what we have in Acts 2 does not refer to this at all. And how do I know that? Keep, keep reading what happens here. Verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Why are they there? Why are they there? Pentecost. And at this sound, what sound? The uttering of these other tongues by this group of people. At this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because, why? Each one was hearing them speak in his own in his own language. Here's what's going on. Um, Before I get into it, let me say this. It would be like 100 of us, 120 of us Americans going over. Who's loving the Winter Olympic Games? Who's loving them? Huh? I thought more people would be loving them, but um, (laughs) it'd be like us going over to the opening ceremonies, 120 Americans And as all of the nations are pouring in the doors to the stadium for the opening ceremonies, we all begin to to teach, to say things, to proclaim things, but everyone from all the nations are understanding in their language what we are saying. And they're bewildered, is what it says in the text, because they're like, Aren't those all like Americans? How are they teaching the same things in all of our different languages? And this is what you have here. What you have in Acts 2 is not an unintelligible 
um, uttering or a babbling of a personal prayer language. What you have here is what God said would happen, Acts 1-8, that they've received supernatural power to witness about Jesus with languages that they had not known going into this moment right here. That is what is going on. This is not unknown languages. These are known languages that God is supernaturally powering these people to spread his message with. Keep reading here, verse 7. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Look at this map behind me. All those people groups, all those uh, areas that devout Jews and converts to Judaism have traveled from all over the known world right here at the time. They've all come back down for the celebration of Pentecost to Jerusalem. And now you have these early Jesus followers empowered by the Spirit of God proclaiming, I love the way it describes it at the end of 11, proclaiming the mighty works of God in the language of all of these people. Only God can make that happen. And only God, by the power of the Spirit of God, can make that happen. And we have to understand something, though it may look different in practice versus of of not us maybe going over, and God can still do this, but not us going over to the Olympic Games and and, 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 and uttering these things in all different languages, but we got to understand the principle of what is happening here. Second point on your outline is this. The Holy Spirit gives me boldness, gives me power to witness about Jesus. If the Holy Spirit here has given the first Christians the supernatural ability to explain the great, mighty things of God in languages they did not even know, God can give his people today great power for the purpose of witnessing about Jesus. And so throughout this series, I've loved just running into people and kind of um, just hearing how God's using the series. And what I, keep, I keep hearing some consistent things, and one of them being... Um, I love that we're studying the book of Acts. But like every week so far, we've talked about witnessing, and here's the deal. Like, that's just not my gift. That's not what I do. I I try to serve the body the other ways, but like the the, the thought of telling people about Jesus, like I just just can't do that. I don't do that. It makes me uncomfortable. Hear me now. Hear me now. You can talk to your family members about Jesus because you have the supernatural power of the Spirit of God dwelling inside you. You can talk to your friends about Jesus because you have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit inside you. You can talk to your coworkers about Jesus because you have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit inside you. You can talk to your neighbors about Jesus because you have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit inside you. And if you're like, I can't, you don't understand, I can't, I'm not gifted to this, I just stumble all over my words, I don't, I don't it makes me uncomfortable, listen to me. You are in a position of strength because it, will, it means you will rely solely not on your ability to articulate the gospel, but on the power of the Spirit to articulate it on your behalf. 
Don't shy away from this. Don't, don't farm out telling people about Jesus to a certain group of Christians and tell ourselves, I'm not gifted, I can't do that. Certainly, Scripture teaches that God has uniquely called some to a ministry as evangelists. Billy Graham, uniquely called by God as an evangelist. Amen? But God has invited, I'm not even going to word it like commanded. God has commanded you to go tell God has invited us into this great privilege of going, Larry, Jesus has changed my life. Can I tell you about him? God has called every Christian to the wonderful privilege of doing the work of an evangelist. And he's given us the power of his Holy Spirit to do it. And so the Holy Spirit gives me the boldness to witness about Jesus. You see this here, this power, this boldness, and they just start proclaiming in, t- in the, the languages of all the people that are around there. Now look at, look at how these people react to this in verse 12. There's some comedy in Acts 2 here. And all were amazed and what? They're amazed and they're perplexed. They're in awe and they're confused. They're amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? So you have one group over here, they're hearing this, they're seeing this, and they're going, oh my goodness, what is happening here? And it's drawing them in, they want to know more. But then you have another group, um, verse 13, but others mocking, mocking said, what did they say? They are filled with new wine. Translation, they're, dr- they're wasted. <laughs> they, they're gone. You have this one group being drawn in going, what is happening here? I got to know more. You have another group over here. It's like, they're whacked, whacked out, wasted. They're gone. But here's the principle I want to pull, because Peter, next week, we're going to study a message. Peter's going to stand up and in the power of the Holy Spirit proclaim to these people. And, and the first thing Peter says is, hey, listen, we're not drunk. It's only 9 in the morning. <laughs> Literally, that's what he says. We're not drunk. It's only 9 in the morning. Apparently, Peter's never been to the college I attended in my undergrad. <laughs> but he says, we're not drunk. And then he's going to go on to explain, using prophecy from the Old Testament. No, this is what God said was going to happen. That he was going to pour out his spirit on his people. And here's what you have here to use kind of the theme of what Peter has to address and what the people think. Third point is this. I am to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You see, you see what I did there? See what I did there? You like that? I am to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 says this. Do not, be, do not get drunk on wine, but instead, but instead what? Be filled with the Spirit. There's this, there's this reality that is Jesus, followers. We are to be led. We are to be controlled. And that's not a bad thing. That's a freeing thing. We are to be controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, that the fruit of the Spirit are, are, are coming out of us in such a way that love, love, that a coworker goes, why is she still loving me? I'm intentionally trying to make it impossible for her to love me, and she's still loving me. Joy, why are you so joyful? How can you still be so joyful with what you're going through? Peace, 
Why do I sense from your life an enduring peace that I can't even explain? Patience. Why are you so patient with me? I'm going to continue to screw this up and screw it, and you're so patient. When unbelievers see the power of the fruit of the Spirit flowing out of our life, go back to verse 12. There are some who will be amazed and perplexed, and they'll go, I got to know more. No, no, no. I, there's something internally in you that is giving you a, a power, a, a, an ability to live like this in a way that I can't even fathom, and thus the opportunity to tell of Jesus. So I just want to ask, are you living under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Not perfectly, but patternly. Are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit flowing out of your life? And if you're here today, and if you're not a Christian, when you walked in, you knew you weren't a Christian. And you're hearing that there is, there is an offer of your life being described with the words of love and joy and peace and patience, and you're like, how? How do I get that? Let me tell you in a moment. But if you're here and you thought you walked in and you thought you were a Christian, I would just encourage you objectively to look at the fruit in your life. Not perfectly, but patternly. And to ask yourself the question objectively, is my life, the pattern of my life, can it be described by these fruit of the Spirit? Now some of you hear a question like that and you instantly get nervous. And you're like, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not saved and maybe, and maybe, and maybe, and maybe, but as you look objectively at your life, you love Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit are flowing out of your life. What I would just say to you is chill. Chill. But others of you, you need to take a good hard look. You need to ask yourself, do I see the fruit of the Spirit, this filling of the Spirit that should produce the fruit of the Spirit, does this, does this describe my life? And if you're like, no, it doesn't, or if you walked in here and you're like, I know I wasn't a Christian walking in here, but I'm interested in this, let me tell you something. And the message has to start here. That God is perfect. He's perfect in love. He's perfect in justice. He's perfect in holiness. And because of his utter perfection, he can have nothing imperfect in his presence. We are not perfect. In fact, we are less than perfect. We are not even good. Inherently in who we are, we not only have sin, we, are, we have sin at the core of who we are. Come on, you know this. You know this. We don't, none of us have to deep long, dig deep long into our history to go, yeah, you know what, yeah, I've, I've done some things I shouldn't have done. Here's the problem with that, and it's a great problem. God says that the penalty for this sin is death. Beyond a physical death of our lungs taking the last breath here, but the death, a death in the sense of eternal separation from him in hell. The Bible teaches two things, two paths of eternity. Heaven with the presence of God and hell separated from him. And if right now you're like, you're offending me, let me just hold on. 
This gospel message must first offend us before it can heal us. And here's where the healing begins. Your God loved you with a love you cannot understand, with a love you'll never be able to grasp, with the love of a father sending his very own son to take the penalty we deserved on our behalf. Jesus on a cross has everything to do with your life personally. What you do with the message of Jesus on a cross has everything to do with your life personally. He bore your sin. He took your penalty. And now God says, if you want to know him, you want relationship with him, you want the power of the Holy Spirit to guide your life, that today is the day you must bow your knee, you must bow your heart, you must surrender to Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. How do I do it? How do I do it? Do you guys have like a class next week? I'm going to do No class. Okay, how do I do it? What do I say? What do I say? Not going to give you the words. Okay, what do I do? The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved today, right now, in your seat. Okay, how do I call? Um, the way you would is if you were trapped at the bottom of a well and had no hope of rescuing yourself. The way you would say, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done being the Lord of my life. I'm done trying to control everything. I'm just done. I'm over this. I can't do this. The whole love, joy, peace, patience thing that does not describe my life at all. I want it to change today. Save me. Redeem me. Call me to you. Give me a brand new heart. And Jesus Christ, by the power of his spirit, will save you in your seat today. And will call you into relationship with yourself today. And you will be a brand new woman and a brand new man. And yes, not perfectly. Don't let anyone sell you that hogwash. You're going to go and you're going to be on fire and you're going to be like, yes. Just like that. You're going to say it just like that. And then you're going to go, wait, why did, why did I just do that sin thing that I always did. And oh no, am I, no, 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 no. Once God saves you, he begins to sanctify you over time. You will not be perfect overnight, but listen to me, 10 years from now, you'll look back and you go, man, I'm not the man I used to be. And 20 years from now, you go, I'm not the man I used to be 10 years. And 30 years from now, you'll go, man, I am, I am lifetimes apart from the man I used to be three decades ago. And that is the power of the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you for the glory of God. And so the people watching the scene go, hey, they're drunk because they don't know what else to do. People get scared of the supernatural. So they try to look for natural explanations. Peter's going to get up and preach a message. And in this message, he's going to say something. Remember, the gospel first has to wound before it can heal. And look at what Peter is going to say to them. Dakota, pull up that part of that. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. 
Before there was an ascension, there was a resurrection. Before there was a resurrection, there was a crucifixion. The only way we're indwelt by the power of the Spirit of God right now is because we have a suffering Savior King who took our penalty of sin on 